Imagine that we're all sitting in a circle. And you speak from the heart about how you see the world. You speak from the heart about how you live your values, both on the good days and on the challenging days. We sit in a circle and you speak from the heart about what the good life looks like for you, for us, and for the world. You speak from the heart about your journey of learning and growing and share your best guesses at where this journey might take you. We sit in a circle and your perspective floats out in the middle of us and we all hold it and we all honor it. And we ask clarifying questions to better understand you and we ask open questions to help you to go deeper. We feel grateful to know you and perhaps you feel grateful to be known. So you share in this way and then you share in this way, then you share in this way, you share in this way. And we come to know each other and perhaps a broader shared understanding awakens. And today I will have a turn. So my opinion will float in the air before us in, in a short while from now, perhaps you will perceive me more clearly. You'll get me a little bit more. Ministers often keep their perspectives to themselves. So in this model of ministerial discretion, I hold space for a variety of points of view without picking a favorite. The idea is that I can help you to expand along your path by leaving my path out of it. I can also be like Obama, strategically sharing my opinion, evolving my opinion in a way that brings people along. An alternative approach to Obama's is his hometown minister, Reverend Jeremiah Wright. Perhaps you remember him telling it the way it is, his famous line, America's chickens are coming home to roost. So that made an important point about American foreign policy, but it also got some backs up. So today I aim for a middle ground. I'll speak more, forth, more forthrightly than Obama, but with more compassion than Reverend Wright. And the question I'm wondering is, how much do you need me to agree with you? I'm going to share my perspective on how UU values can be intention. And I wonder, do you need me to agree with you? What is the range of acceptable opinions for your minister to have? So that question will help us in interim ministry as you choose your next minister. One thing I learned from you is that you like to be challenged. That shows up in surveys and I've experienced it one-on-one -on -one and in small groups. You are learning and growing and you want a minister to challenge you, provoke you, surprise you. Dare I say, sometimes you want a minister to rock your spiritual world, to loosen the foundations of your beliefs and help you to take things to the next level. But there is also tenderness. I have heard that you don't want a minister who judges you or demands that you jump through a particular spiritual hoop. 
So there is a sweet spot of challenging you, but not overdoing it. And before I share my perspective, I'll say that like Obama, my position is evolving. I am in a liminal time. Sharing my perspective with you is helping me to think it through and open up space for what comes next. Okay, so here we go. Here's what I believe about how UU values can be in tension. First of all, I believe that liberal religion articulates some important truths. Ultimately, you decide what you believe. You don't figure everything out by yourself. Sometimes you trust the experts, but ultimately you discern who are the experts and when should be trusted. An important truth of liberal religion is that we need other perspectives. I cannot figure it all out on my own. So along with Unitarian Universalism's principles, there are six sources of insight. And one of those sources is prophetic voices who speak up and say what needs saying. Here, though, I think is where our sources fall short. The problem is, how do you decide whose voice is worth listening to? When I was a kid, my family volunteered with the Unitarian Service Committee. USC Canada did charitable projects in Africa and Asia and learned that they needed to listen to local voices. They needed to listen to the people on the edges of society who needed help the most. USC funded projects in which the leadership was local and bottom up. The slogan was helping people help themselves. We do that well in other countries, but often not as well in our own country. I think that the next stage of liberal religion is to say that one of our sources of insight is people on the margins. Whether it's in a romantic relationship or a group of friends or a community, people with lower status are aware of things that other people do not notice. It is good for everyone else to find out. This insight is at the heart of what is called liberation theology. Liberation theology grew out of people's movements in Latin America. It started in a religious context, but has expanded beyond that. Liberation theology gives prime importance to those who are left out or stepped upon. The migrant farm worker with no rights, the girl in a forced marriage, the country overrun by invaders or homegrown tyrants. So on the one hand, we have liberal religion, which recognizes that the smallest minority is the individual and liberal religion protects the individual, celebrates the individual. And that is important. On the other hand, liberation theology has the belief that the individual might not notice what their neighbor is going through, especially when it's a neighbor who lacks a voice in society. If you care about your neighbor, but have never heard of liberation theology, I hope that this is 
hearing about this as good news. Other people have looked at something that you care about from a different angle and have learned a thing or two. So that's something I believe. Liberal religion and liberation theology both provide important insights. But the challenge is how to integrate them. One point of contention is how much do I follow the leadership of someone who identifies as marginalized? Now, I am marginalized in some ways, but for now, let's just say that society is made for people like me. How much do I follow the leadership of someone who is marginalized? For example, take the song that we sung last week, Answering the Call of Love. The song was originally called Standing on the Side of Love. As we heard from Kevin, someone said, I can't stand up. The phrase standing on the side of love doesn't include me. So the composer of the song heard that and changed the words to answering the call of love. We no longer sing about standing. Now, a lot of Unitarian Universalists can't stand up. Some of them liked the change of words. It was very important to them. Some actually didn't like the change of words. I don't know why, but I do know they said they didn't like the change. And some didn't care either way. So if I want to listen to people who can't stand up, whose leadership do I follow? One thing I've decided is that I am committed to, to fully exploring each point of view. The Unitarian Universalist pastor, Isabel Call, invited a congregation to sing the original lyrics, standing on the side of love, while sitting down. So if you could just imagine doing that. Yeah, so that shifted. So I just heard someone say it's a metaphor and laugh. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, you really don't like that. So my invitation today is that we fully explore your point of view, I fully explore your point of view, and you fully explore the point of view of someone who feels desperate and feels, says, this is really important to me. Um, if it's just a metaphor, it would feel the same to say it while sitting down. I personally experience it very differently, singing it while sitting down. So I feel like that's something we can disagree about, um, and my invitation is that we not laugh at each other publicly. My invitation is that we listen to each other compassionately. I'd be glad to talk afterwards about that. I think it's amazing how many needs we can accommodate when we make the decision to do so. So there's a part of me that says, let's go for it. It is so meaningful to be included if you're not used to it. It's so meaningful to include people who haven't felt included. So the, there's a part of me that says, let's be full on accommodating. It is amazing what we can accomplish when we go for it. When you honor someone's need, often the need suddenly lessens or even goes away. Showing that you care is sometimes what was needed. If someone expresses a need that seems unreasonable to you, Sometimes it's because they've been undervalued for a long time and they want a clear signal that they are valued. It's not just about this one thing. 
The person who can't stand up can think of a thousand ways that they are not included in society. And they say, if you change the words to the song, it would mean a lot to me. So if a request seems unreasonable to you at first, I believe in listening for the story behind the story. But part of me feels trepidation about making a thousand different accommodations. Some accommodations require getting the whole congregation on board. Um, if one person complains about the change of lyrics, someone who can't stand might not come back. And then other people don't want to be hurtful, so they keep their opinions to themselves. And then it can feel like we're walking on eggshells. So that's not a reason to try and create change, but it still gives me trepidation. I wonder if you've heard the term the gossip trap. The gossip trap is when a community puts most of its energy into talking about who said what. Who supported changing the song lyrics? Who doesn't support the change? Who criticized who for not getting it? Who criticized who for being pushy? Misunderstandings build up and are resented. Reputations are defended, but the defensiveness makes things worse. So I believe that Hindu mythology is onto something when it comes to the goddess Kali. Kali is the mother of the universe, the goddess of creation. But she is also the goddess of destruction. This truth in Hindu mythology is that that which nurtures also has the potential to destroy. Too much of a good thing can tear us apart. In the larger UU community, in conversations about equity, I've seen people call other people hateful based on a misunderstanding, or based on disagreeing about strategy, or disagreeing about who should listen to who first. The nurturing force quickly becomes a destructive force. Compassion for my neighbor becomes judgment of the person across the street. So sometimes the left can eat its own. Liberation theology teaches me that the most important thing is often happening at the margin, and I should often learn from and center the margin. Liberal religion teaches me that humanity has a shadow side that demands getting in line, and we need to protect each other from the gossip trap and the devouring mother. A church covenant is a beautiful thing when it helps the spirit in me see the spirit in you. And a church covenant has the potential to be weaponized. A church covenant is often created by imagining together who we want to be on our best days. And then when we fall short, we will help each other to regain that standard. We agree that the spirit in me will see the spirit in you. Now that's a high standard. After a misunderstanding or a mishap or a disagreement, it can take a lot of talking things through to come back to that depth of relationship. It's hard enough in a one-on-one -on -one relationship when my needs can be in tension with your needs. I think it's even harder in a group with many more degrees of interaction. 
in a sense, your people are the people you're willing to talk things through with, to come back to covenant with. And a covenant is weaponized when you want to skip the part about talking things through. This week, in our heart-to-heart -heart conversations, we will talk things through. The focus will be on listening to and honoring each other's perspectives. Mutual understanding rather than persuasion or judgment. And the heart-to-hearts are actually full. If you would like to participate in one, let me know and we can schedule more. And we will have more, um, including in person. So today I have shared my perspective, some of, some of my perspective. This is a complex topic, and it's possible that I didn't precisely communicate my beliefs. If I, if I ever edit the sermon, I might change the emphasis, definitely. It's also a sensitive topic, so it's possible that you didn't accurately hear what I said. So I ask that if you disagree about something you heard, ask me a clarifying question to find out if what you heard is actually what I believe. And I'll leave you with my belief about how to learn from other people. I agree with Reverend David Rankin, who said to learn from the witnesses, not the gurus. Learn from people who are paying attention, not from people who think they have it all figured out. Every UU congregation is learning how liberal religion and liberation theology enhance each other, but are sometimes in tension. Every UU congregation is going to find some sort of balance. As we find our balance, let's listen to each other and listen for the story behind the story. <laughs>